Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching and listening from. If this is your first time joining us, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thank you, uh, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that you see listed. Uh, Well, I hope you're having a great summer here, great 4th of July weekend. We are just a couple of days away from celebrating America's 247th birthday. How about that? Uh, I'm sure you've got all kinds of great activities planned with friends and family. Our family has a tradition. Uh, We we make homemade ice cream every year. So, of course, you got to grill and do fireworks, you know. Uh, but, but ice cream is fantastic. Sorry, by the way, for you guys live in states where you can't possess fireworks. God bless the state of South Carolina. We can still do it. We can still shoot them. We're going to have a lot of fun. Now, it's been a couple of weeks. We had a guest speaker with us last Sunday. So you got to go all the way back to Father's Day, June 18th, for our last teaching. And we spent time in Romans hitting the first 11 verses where we talked about the kindness of God and, and how God just cannot handle hypocrisy. You can't change people, right? That's important. That's not even your job. It's the Holy Spirit who changes lives. In fact, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Paul spends those verses really targeting Roman Christians who felt the need to judge others while they were committing the same or similar sins. So he wraps it up talking about how our hearts reveal our devotion. Your actions are an outward expression of what you really believe and what's really within your heart. And now Paul is still talking to Roman Christians, but he's going to get more specific here in the latter part of chapter 2. He's particularly going to address Jewish Christians, and you're going to recognize some clues here uh, about that in the text. Now, it's a little heady, but hang with me, okay, (laughs) as we walk through this together. I'm I'm not going to leave you hanging dry. We're going to walk through this text. See, at Radiant Church, we want to cultivate an environment and culture which embraces God changing lives. We want God changing us, uh, changing those who come to be a part of our church community. We never want to stay the same. I don't think anyone should desire that, right? And I was thinking about this a little bit heading into the week, you know, about this idea of change, not staying stuck. Of course, I immediately thought of the decades, you know, like the 70s, 80s, 90s. Each decade brings change and fads and trends that were right for the moment, but just not for today. Um, like, like the fanny pack, okay? Like you embraced the fanny pack in the late 80s, but I grew up in the 90s and like everyone had a fanny pack on. Like you wouldn't be caught dead with a fanny pack now, you know what I'm saying? Or or, or jorts, which are jean shorts. I was a, again, 90s kid. We would take our old blue jeans, cut them off when they got, you know, started to tear up and stuff. And we call them shorts. And now if you have holes in your jeans, people will pay like 80 bucks for stuff like that. Blows my mind. Um, or take the MP3 player. Not even going to talk about the disc player that I had or the Wattman cassette player. I mean the MP3 player that held like three songs, which is not true. I think it was actually more like six. But nevertheless, I was in eighth grade. One of my friends had one and he brought to school and we were jamming out in math class to Kryptonite by Three Doors Down. Now, some of you right now, you're like, Pastor, I'm so glad your musical taste has changed too, right? (laughs) Right? 
Change. Change is good. Why do we change? Well, part of it's because of progress. We want to be better and work better and play better. And part of it's because we have that like keeping up with the Joneses mentality. Sometimes we resist change and that's for a whole host of other reasons. But here's, here's what I know about change. I know that God, though he himself does not change, is always enacting change. So for instance, God loves you too much to keep you the way that he found you. Yeah, he wants to change you. He, he has more for you. He has a better life for you and a, a big part of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is change. In the Exodus story, God gets the people of Israel out of Egypt and instead of taking a three-day journey straight to the promised land, which is today Israel, God keeps them for about a year at Mount Sinai. I said, well, why? Because now that he got them out of Egypt, he had to get the Egypt out of them. He had to change them. And by the way, that's what, that's what God does when he saves you. He takes your past, your talents, your gifts. He redeems all of that. He changes it. He takes the baggage and he repurposes it, uh, repurposes it for him and his glory so you can live a fulfilled life. We, we have four steps we want every person to take in the spiritual journey here at Radiant Church. And each of them involves change. We want you to know first that, hey, you should know God, right? Come to know the Lord. That's, that's salvation baptism, Sunday gatherings, teachings, know God. But then he wants you to find freedom. That's getting into groups and building relationships and being a part of the church community. Because as you get involved with other people, God will change you more and bring healing and deliverance to your life. And then he wants you to discover your purpose. That's your gifts and abilities and talents. Like what's God given you? You know, make uh, a change and use that for his glory so you can live out the fourth step, which is make a difference. And that's serving. That's our dream team. It's living a fulfilled life. God is all about changing lives. But religion isn't, okay? Religion is obey the rules, follow the practices, do what you should, and you'll be okay. And that's rooted in the idea and practices and prohibitions that, that, that can make it possible for you to earn your way to God. Here's the reality, though. That kind of living is exhausting. It's not the gospel. It's not Christianity. It's definitely not good news. Jesus didn't die to give you a new manual. Yeah, the New Testament is not a, a new book with new expectations to follow. Christ did not die and rise again so you could work yourself to death. He died and rose again because he invites you to be, not to do to be. The gospel is not about rules. It's about relationship. It's about changed hearts and lives. And we could say it like this, you know, a changed heart leads to a changed life. Now, religion preaches the opposite. Fake it till you make it. The author of Hebrews tells us that what the law taught us to do, Jesus came to do. So what? So that we could be with Jesus. Let's jump today to our text. It's in Romans chapter 2, verse number 12. Paul says this, when the Gentiles sin, non-Jewish people, right? They'll be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. And Jews who do have God's law, they'll be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It's obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. This is a difficult text, by the way, to grasp because we want everyone to have a chance to hear about Jesus, don't we? And that's why sharing your faith is so important. That's why missions is so important. Missions matters. If you're local, let me, let me just take a moment real quick. If you're local, uh, there's a great small group meeting Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. This group will break down in further detail texts that we're teaching in this series on Romans. And there's some really great stuff they're going to walk through regarding this passage right here that I don't have time to get into today. So let me encourage 
encourage you, if you're in the Seneca Clemson area, be at Radiant Church Wednesday evening, 6.30 p.m. for this group. Now I'm going to say this. The Jews had the law, okay? And because of that, they were not in the same position as Gentiles. A few weeks back in our teaching, Romans 1, 18-32, we talked about divine revelation, right? And natural revelation. Well, the Jews had the law. That's divine revelation. And it came with privilege and blessing the Gentiles didn't have. And so Paul is going to argue that simply possessing the law doesn't give the Jews the advantage. In fact, uh, in an earlier letter he wrote to the Galatians, he mentions the law imprisons the Jews because nobody can fulfill it perfectly. No one that is except Jesus, who in Matthew 5.17 says that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. So the law was good at making you think that you had to work or earn your way to God, for sure. So many people will stand before God one day, and they're going to talk about all the things they did for the Lord. And, and what is Jesus going to say to them? Well, for, for, he's going to say to them, hey, I, I don't know you, right? Like in other words, there's no, there's no relationship there. Don't be so busy doing that you're not being. Our, our mission isn't to fill you up with information. Our mission is to equip you to carry out the mission God has for you. The pastor's job is to equip the people to do what? To do the work of the ministry. His job isn't ministry, that's your job. Jesus has a mission for people, and it's to share their faith and to reach others for Him. A changed heart is a changed life. Now, look at what Paul says next about the Gentiles who don't have the law. Verse 14. Even Gentiles who don't have God's written law, they show that they know His law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. Now, what makes this possible is, is their nature, okay? So they've instinctively obeyed God's law, meaning their hearts and subsequently their lives have been changed. Keep that in mind. Verse 15. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts, for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they're doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. God's law is written on their hearts. So they begin to live out this new life in Christ, despite not having access to the law itself. So in other words, through natural revelation, they become aware of who God is. And the Holy Spirit has done a regenerative work in their lives such that they are living out a faith in God without ever having the law in their hands. That's why Paul can say in verse 20 of chapter 1 that humanity is without excuse for not knowing God. Their conscience and thoughts which accuse them or tell them what they're doing is right or wrong, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit's work. So one more time, I'm just say, if you're local, Seneca Clemson area here in South Carolina, you need to be part of this group that meets on Wednesday evenings because you're going to learn a lot more than I can really get to. I am just scratching the surface, man, with this stuff. So what Paul is showing happens in these verses to, is that our actions reflect our hearts. So when you're living for Christ, it's an outward expression of your heart's devotion to the Lord. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. You can try to live for Jesus within your own power, but you're going to weigh yourself out. You know why? Because any Anything apart from this life devoted to the Lord isn't the gospel. It's like getting the, you know, the boots and the uniform, the buzz cut, going out for a three-mile run and telling folks that, you know, you're in the military, right? You can look the part all you want. You can train hard all you want. But until you enlist, you're not in the military. And I say that because I want you to know that doing all this, living for God, living out His Word, you know, all that without a changed heart, marked by the Holy Spirit, is a fruitless endeavor. You're going to be too busy doing instead of being. 
Have you ever asked the question, well, if I do, you know, blank, why go to hell? You have a, a do-first attitude that's you instead of a be-first attitude. Christ puts it like this during the Sermon on the Mount. You can find that teaching in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He says this, You've been told not to commit adultery. That's a do-first attitude. But I'm telling you, don't even lust in your heart. That's a be-first attitude. You're told not to murder. I'm telling you, don't get angry. It's not about carrying out specifics of what you should or shouldn't do. It's about your devotion and heart for the Lord. And I'm telling you, you will wear yourself out trying to perform your way to God. It'll be so freeing for you if you just give God your heart and have them change that instead of you trying to change your behavior. And that includes those times where God doesn't come through the way you'd like him to, you know, and you just begin to wonder, did I believe enough? Did I behave well enough? Look, God is so much bigger than our behaviors, than us getting it right or wrong all the time. You know, Nicodemus, he, he, he was a Pharisee. He had the law. He, he was probably really good at keeping the law because of that. He comes to Jesus at night because he's afraid. He, he, he's embarrassed to be seen with him. The woman caught in adultery who's brought to Jesus, she, she's brought to him in her sin in broad daylight. And yet Jesus turns to both of them and he essentially says the same thing. He says, turn from those things. Turn from that way of thinking, that way of living, and come be with me. You can be too self-righteous and Christ will say, come follow me. You can be too caught up in your sin and he says the same thing. Come be with me. A changed heart leads to a changed life, but a changed heart, well, it also changes others. You, you got to live in the overflow of your life so other people are impacted. But before you can do that, you have to let God change you. Look at verse number 17. You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law and you boast about your special relationship with him. You know what he wants. You know what's right because you've been taught his law. You're convinced that you're a guide for the blind and a light for the people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach the children the ways of God for you are so certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. <laughs> Paul was listing all the things that a person whose life has been changed by God should be. Like, we should be light to the world, right? For, for sure. We should teach people about the Lord. We should know what God wants. By the way, some of you, you're praying for God to take the blind, foolish folks who aren't right with God out of your circles. And I'm telling you, God is bent on bringing you into theirs. Be the light they would never see. Be the guy that leads them to the Lord. Don't, don't try to fit in all the time. Followers of Christ should look and live and act like Jesus. We should be all of these things. Now, Paul's going to write in almost like a sarcastic tone here. Uh, he, he knows that the Roman Christians should be living this way. And there are some who just aren't. And, and here's where he kind of drops the hammer uh, uh, just, just, just a little bit here. Verse 21. He says, well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? Now that one kind of sounds odd, right? 
This is actually unclear what Paul is referring to here, but the interpretation that gets the most traction is this one right here. That there were Jewish Christians who abhorred idolatry publicly, but they would purchase and use metals that were melted down from idols. So in other words, Paul is saying, like, your horror of idolatry is actually insincere because you're using the same metals that formed those idols and were getting worship from people in the temple. So don't talk to me about this stuff. Verse 23, you're so proud of knowing the law, but you what? You dishonor God by breaking it. So these Roman Christians, they, they should have changed, you know, should have changed hearts that change others. But the problem is there were some of them who just actually weren't changed themselves. And it's almost like he's saying, well, hey, you're, you're trying to preach everybody into heaven, which is great. But are you growing? Right? Like you speak out against these sins, you're taking a stand, but are you doing them too? Changed hearts should change others. But in this passage, Paul's accusing some of these Christians of being proud of their knowledge of the law. For us today, we'd say knowledge of God's word, right? But they're bringing dishonor to God by breaking it. Hmm. Sound a little familiar to some of us today? Living a religious lifestyle, it hinders people. It can actually prevent others from coming into relationship with Jesus. So remember we talked about a couple weeks ago that God hates hypocrisy. And so Paul's going to hammer this again in verse number 24. Listen to what he says here. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. Gentiles, non-Jewish people, right? He's pulling a quote, by the way, from Isaiah chapter 52. Now, I want you to watch the context here. I want, you to, I want to take you to the passage that Paul is referencing. Isaiah 52, 4 and 5 says this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Long ago, my people chose to live in Egypt. Now they're oppressed by Assyria. What is this? Asked the Lord. Why are my people enslaved again? Now notice that God's accusing Judah of making the choice to be enslaved. It's not a political decision here. It's a result of their choice to live in sin. Those who rule them, he says, should, should uh, be in exaltation. My name is blasphemed all day long. The Greek version of the Old Testament, sometimes called the Septuagint, it actually reads, the Gentiles continually blaspheme my name because of you. They say, Pastor, I don't get why this matters. Why'd you, why'd you take us there? Because the context is the people of Israel in the Old Testament had chosen to live a life of sin. It was voluntary. At the same time, they kept all the practices the law required. They knew that, you know, what God's Word said. They had the knowledge, but they were living hypocritical lives, and hypocrisy enslaved them to sin and caused nations around them to doubt the validity of God and His Word. You see where we're going here with this. Put it simply, if you go religious rules first, behavior modification first. It's only a matter of time before you too break the law, break God's word. It's only a matter of time before you choose to tolerate sin or return you know, to a life of sin while still trying to externally show you're a follower of Christ. The number one thing people who aren't believers accuse Christians of is, is, is what? It's hypocrisy. If God doesn't have your heart, it's a detriment to those who are far from him. Now, this isn't a judgment to get your act together. It's a calling to give your heart to the Lord. And that's not a one-time thing. 
I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about daily surrendering to Jesus because God still has work to do in you. He's still changing you so that you can be used to change the lives of other people too. I, I don't want folks who are far from God to say no to Christ because I don't have my heart right as a result of my own sin that I willingly, knowingly chose to return to. The fact that people want nothing to do with God because of the people of God, that should startle you. I mean, it does, it does for me. So make sure you're getting close to Jesus by surrendering to Jesus. Stop living a, a religious, hypocritical lifestyle and get close to Him. If you allow God to change your heart, you're going to change other people. If you, if you live as if God hasn't changed you, you will not only fail to reach people who are far from Him, you will play a role in keeping them from experiencing God's grace. Changed hearts change lives. But a changed heart also moves God as well. I'm going to skip through verses 25 and 27 for the sake of time. But let me just kind of catch you up real quick to what Paul's referencing to you, because it feeds into verses 28 and 29. Circumcision was the physical sign you were a recipient of God's promises and blessings. Like you were, you were part of the people of God once you were circumcised. So Jewish Christians were trying to get Gentile Christians to become circumcised. Because they believed in order for non-Jewish Christians to receive God's blessings and be part of His people, you had to have this very phys physical act carried out. And so, you know, that's an issue for Paul. And it's going to run all throughout his ministry. Everywhere he goes, he'll deal with this issue. And his argument is that none of that matters. <laughs> it's not about physically setting you apart as God people that makes a difference. The issue is spiritual and all the guys are like, amen, <laughs> right? Verse 28, you're, you're not a true Jew just because you're born to Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with the Lord. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the, the letter of the law. Rather, it's a change of heart that's produced by the Spirit. And a, a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. A true follower of Christ isn't marked by the amount they give or how much they serve or the knowledge they possess. A true follower of Christ has their hearts changed by the Holy Spirit. So Paul was telling these Jewish Christians, like, you're not really Jewish because you behave correctly or because you have the right physical act of circumcision. No, like, as we see today, it's not about going to the right church. Right? It's not about going, doing the right thing, saying the right thing. It's all about the work of God in your heart. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with the Lord. And when the Holy Spirit changes you, you aren't trying to win the approval of a religious community. You're looking to get praise from God Himself. Like your focus is on pleasing the Lord and having that spiritual kind of pat on the back, that, that attaboy from God kind of thing, you know? It's affirmation from the Lord. Look how this reads in the message, by the way. I just want to show you this first from a different perspective, because um, I mean, I, I find it pretty powerful. The message puts it like this. Don't you see? It's not the cut of a knife that makes you a Jew. You become a Jew by who you are. And, I, and by the way, I just can't stress this, how big this is. For centuries, the prevailing thought was you were saved by your ethnicity. You're Jewish, you're circumcised, you keep God's law, like you're in. And Jesus comes in and turns that upside down. Paul does the same thing. It's the mark of God on your heart, not a, not a knife on your skin that makes a Jew. And recognition comes from God, not legalistic critics. Don't worry about affirmation from the religious crowd. You focus on pleasing God. 
A changed heart can move God to affirm you and praise you for desiring Him. So stop trying to perform enough for God. Jesus did all of that. We could never do it enough. Just be. In Luke 10, Jesus staying in the home of Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. It's a pretty big ordeal in those days to host, kind of like it is in the South here today, right? We want we all to be good hosts. And so a lot's got to be done. And the apostles and Jesus are sitting there and, and, and talking, conversing. Martha's doing a lot. She's, she's carrying all the things you would normally do to be a good host out. But instead of helping her, Mary is at the feet of Jesus with the apostles, listening to all the teaching and conversation. And she gets all frustrated, right? And so, you know, finally she asks Jesus, hey, tell my sister to help me out. And Jesus says in verse 41, he goes, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it's not going to be taken away from her. Martha's so concerned about doing, she missed the opportunity to simply be with Jesus. She's like, Mary got it. And I think if we aren't careful, and this is especially true the longer we've been Christians, we get so caught up in doing all these things for Jesus, we just forget to simply be with Him. We forget the relationship at the expense of living and practicing a religion. And see, it starts, you know, <laughs> well, it kind of starts like the way the military life starts. Think about this for a second. We've got guys at Radiant who served in the military. What's that life like when you first begin? Well, like, you don't embrace 5 a.m. wake-ups, <laughs> right? You have to get whipped into shape. The military life starts off with duty, right? Like, you learn 14 minutes early is one minute too late. Uh, you make, you make uh, the, the bed with no creases. <laughs> you're up before 5 a.m. You don't enjoy those things, um, but, but, you know, you're, you're doing them, right? You're, you're doing those types of things. You're getting a baptism into duty. And then that duty becomes discipline. You're doing all these things and you kind of can't go back. It's military life. It's, it's become a part of who you are. Like you, you just do them. So for us, like we, we, we go to church, we serve, we give, we pray, we dive into God's word. Why? It's not just what, what, what we do. It's kind of our duty. It's a part of who we are. It's our discipline as, as followers of Christ. The problem here is a lot of Christians get stuck in this stage. We live like right here. We're all about duty and discipline and doing and doing and doing and doing. And that creates religion. You need the next stage, which is delight light. So what was once duty and became discipline now becomes a delight. So you hated the 5 a.m. makeup calls in the military. You became disciplined and woke up at 5 a.m. all the time. And now that you're retired, you wake up early. Why? Because it's quiet. And the solitude feeds your soul. And you give time with God and, and, and nature and everything else, right? I mean, you delight in the early mornings because you, you enjoy that. You, you delight in being early and on time and respect people, right? You come prepared. As Christians, it means we move to a place where we delight in God's presence. It's not about what we do for God. It's about being with God. It doesn't mean we don't carry out ministry. We engage in missions. That's important. You know, it, it means we don't place the things of God and doing things for Him higher okay, than our value of simply being with Him. Our relationship with the Lord begins to take precedence over everything else. We delight in God and His presence and His Spirit. When you delight in God's presence, you allow the Spirit of God to transform you and change you. You obey and follow the Lord, not out of duty or discipline, but because you delight in him 
and take pleasure in him. It's because you have relationship, not religion. That's the kind of changed heart and changed life that God wants for you and for those whom he has placed in your life. So let me just do something here for you today. I want to pray for you. But I want to pray for you specifically as Christians that you will have delight in the Lord's presence again. Can we do that? Lord, I thank you for those who are watching and listening right now. And I'm just praying specifically for Christians here today. that they'll move to a place where they allow change to do them good where they keep the change you're trying to bring to them. May they have duty and discipline evolve into delight. It's not about doing so much for you and doing all the things we can. It's about being with you. Intimacy, relationship. May we delight your presence. May we delight speaking with you and praying with you. May we delight in our worship with you. May we have delight in serving you. Not in checking off a spiritual box, not in doing some religious thing. Lord, it's all about having that time with you. May we not be so caught up in doing things, we forget to simply just be. Lord, I pray for those right now who may not know you. Perhaps you're watching or listening and say, Pastor, I don't even know God. I, this, is, this is great, except I don't even know where to start. I kind of want to jump in. What do I do? We're going to say this prayer right here that goes like this. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. God, I'm sorry for the things I've done that I, I, I know aren't right. I know they go against you and your standards. And, and, and I'm here today to say, Lord, I, I want to change. So I'm asking you, God, to forgive me. I'm asking you, Lord, to cleanse my heart, cleanse my life, make me new again. Save me from my sin. Give me that new start. And Lord, I, I don't want to follow my own pathway anymore. I, I, I know what happens when I do that. I've seen where it leads. It's kind of why I'm here where I'm at today. And so I'm asking you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. Will you guide me and you lead me and you protect me? Lord, you take me where I need to go. I'll do everything I can to follow you. I'm going to commit myself today to follow you from this day forward. Lord, may you be uh, just, just the Lord of my life and guide me in every single thing that I do. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your majesty. Thank you, God, for this new spiritual journey that I'm now on. I'm giving my heart and my soul to you. May we delight in the presence of God Almighty and allow that changed heart and life to change other people and move you, Lord, as well. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.